This episode is supported by Jace Medical. You may or may not know that in December, drug shortages across the U.S. hit a record high. This is causing severe disruptions in medical treatments, resulting in delays, treatment cancellations, and the unfortunate rationing of vital medications. I know that I have heard in the last few months from multiple mom friends of mine, instances where they have not been able to get medications for themselves or for their children in critical crisis moments. This is so, so scary. I know I've had friends with their kids having seasonal flu cold symptoms, struggling to breathe, and they're at urgent care and unable to get the antibiotics that they need because of these shortages. This is scary stuff. Most notably, one of the short supply antibiotics is amoxicillin, which is commonly used for so many of our children's illnesses. So here's where Jace Medical comes in. They have the Jace case, which is a personalized emergency medication kit that contains five essential antibiotics that are used for the most common and deadly bacterial infections. And you can also customize your case and add additional life-saving medications based on your or your children's family's unique needs, like an EpiPen, for example, something that you would never want to be without, would never want to have to run from pharmacy to pharmacy in pursuit of. So if you want to go get these medications and have your antibiotics on supply so that you always have them when you need them in case of an emergency, in case of a disaster, in case of being a, you know, a victim of this drug shortage, Jace Medical will have you covered. All you need to do is go to jacemedical.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout for a discount on your order. That's promo code SHAMELESS at jacemedical, J-A-S-E medical.com, jacemedical.com, code SHAMELESS. This is the Shameless Mom Academy episode 450 with Liz Need. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, as well as any discount codes from our sponsors, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 450. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community. So be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. This episode is brought to you by Cosmetology. Do you have a kiddo who suffers from eczema? You are going to want to check out the Cosmetology Lotion Bar. So to get started with Cosmetology and get 15% off your first order, go to cosmetology.com and use the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's cosmetology, K-O-S-M-A-T-O-L-O-G-Y.com, code SHAMELESS. Liz Need, welcome back to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you for having me back. That's a good sign, right? Yes, you are in a very exclusive club now of repeat guests. <laughs> I feel like that's good. Yes. So I'll give our listeners a little bit of background. We met each other. Yeah, it was through local connections. So I'm in Seattle. You're not. Where are you? You're in Indiana. I am located in no in Iowa, so but I'm close, a midwestern state. A midwestern start, state that starts with an I. <laughs> I know, or it could be Ohio. That's another one because they have the same sounds. Right. So you're in Iowa. We met though someone locally kind of connected us around speaking because you are a speaker, and so we got connected and just hit it off. And you have amazing energy. We finally got to meet in person. I think a couple of years after meeting virtually. And we've been connected and cheerleaders of each other's ever since then. So excited for this conference. I already know our energy together. So I'm very excited to get rolling here. 
Yeah, that's exact. You just expressed exactly how I feel that we connected virtually. And it it is interesting that it took a long time to meet in person and that, you know, you never know when you meet in person, whether it's going to translate. I mean, it's kind of like when you date someone and you're, you know, (laughs) you think, boy, I hope I like this person in person. Yes. And it was completely natural. And that is not always the case. I coach a lot of people virtually. And then we meet and it almost dies on the spot. And I think, oh, I guess we're not renewing that coaching contract later. And it's so disappointing when that happens, when pe- when it seems like someone is just like totally different when than what you expected them to be. And that can happen for a million different reasons. But when it it's the same, when it's exactly what you want it to be, it's like magic. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So thank you so much for having me. I really am looking forward to the conversation. So highlight for the day. Yay. So I have to tell everyone we're recording in COVID. I'm prefacing that in all my interviews right now because I think it's an important detail for people that listen to this in three years to know this is where we're at. So tell us a little bit about what is life like for you right now? What's COVID life like? And what is the kind of impact for your personal and professional life? I always start by saying, what are you most excited about right now? So with all of that, what are you most excited about right now? You know, I am excited about things. And I know that that is not a norm, because there's so many things that are uncertain. And as a community, you know, normally your community is just kind of the people that you live around, and then maybe like your Twitter feed, or you know, who you see on Instagram or whatever. But right now, we're all kind of bound together by this thing that we're battling in different ways. So it can be stressful for people to not know what's coming next and whether like your neighbor sees the problem the same way you do. Mm-hmm. That can be scary. But for me personally, you know, I started my business in 2008, 11 years ago, and it was actually around another time that was a difficult time for the country. Yes. And everybody was feeling really stressed out. And I thought, I'm going to start a business around (laughs) inspiration. This is going to be great. So here we are again. And I see the purpose behind this for me personally, to slow down, to be in a creation mode, to be in observation where you're kind of part of the environment instead of selling to the environment or mastering the environment. Yeah. I see a lot of benefits right now for me. And I think everyone will look back at one point and see something, some kind of gem that popped up. Yeah, definitely. I love that. And I think that, you know, that's kind of the best we can do is leverage this time to get what we can out of it as much as we can. And I would love you to also share a little bit about what this is looking like for you as a mom, because your COVID life for you as a mom looks a lot different than motherhood has looked for you for the last few years. For real, Sarah, like actually. So background, I have four children that I've raised in my home. I'm actually, I'm a stepmom as well. So I have a blended family and together we have seven, but four of them were raised in my home and the age range is eight years. So today they are 16, the youngest is, and then the oldest are 24. So there's an eight year span. So in 2014, my sons graduated and they went off to college and really, except for here and there in the summer and holidays, they haven't lived at home. So it went from four kids to two kids. And Kendall and Faith are very active. They're really good athletes. We actually won right before everything was shut down. I got to watch my kid win state at the highest level in Iowa with 10,000 people in an arena. Like it was really literally two weeks before everything was shut down. And that was basketball, right? 
Yep, that was basketball. Because we were supposed to record. I remember you messaged me. You were like, hey, I, my daughter has a playoff game. Can we reschedule? I was like, "One, absolutely. what am I going to say? No, actually, no. <laughs> totally moms, but not about moms. I was so excited for you, though, because I thought, like, of course, this is about your daughter's moment. But as a mom, oh, how fun. It was. And she is going on to play. She's got a full ride scholarship to University of Wisconsin in Milwaukee. It's a division one school. And so I'm very excited about the future in that sense. But so we won state and then two weeks later, the boys were playing and they did not get to play with a crowd. They were allowed each 100 people per team. So essentially the crowd was parents. It was funny. The parents were doing things like the cheers that the kids would normally yell. I mean, it really was like, It was crazy. And it's in this arena that packs 10,000 or more people. And there were 200 people. Yep. And you could hear the squeaks of the sneaker. It's like three mice. Yeah, it was really, most of those boys were there at the girls tournament. Yeah. And then, you know, how quickly two weeks can change. And so what happened for me is that I was going towards having one kid. Like in June, she, Kendall was supposed to leave, you know, because they kind of own you when they give you a scholarship. Right. So she was going to leave early to start her basketball career with these camps and various things. And then I would have one kid and I never had one kid Mm. because when I was 25 and I had my first pregnancy, it was twins. So right away, I never had one child. So I was kind of like, this is going to be cool. And I was really looking forward. My youngest daughter is the coolest person. So I was looking forward to just being with her and also because she only has two more years left reconnecting with my husband Mm -hmm. because it's going to be us. So that was my mindset. That was the 2020 plan. (laughs) And in the best laid plans, I mean, if you get anything out of this, know that you are not in control, that this is life is an ocean and you're just surfing on it and you really don't, you really can't control any of it because then all of a sudden I had all four back with me. And the grocery bill is big and the toilet is being flushed every two seconds. And I've never said hi so many times in my life because they're just walking around going, hey, mom, hi, how are you doing? (laughs) And like the showers and just in general, all these things that I just haven't dealt with for a really long time. So that's what life is like. It's delicious and super messy. Like, I don't know what dessert it would be. I have to think about that. But, you know, that strawberry rhubarb pie with ice cream on the side. It's like all over the place, but tastes good. Oh, my gosh. I love it. And I love you have them. So the boys came, the boys are back in the household. And so we actually in our pre-interview talked a little bit about this. And you said that they're all, I said, like, what a gift that they get this time together. And then I was thinking, like, they might not see it that way. But you were sharing that they actually are recognizing the gift of this time. Yes. Thank you for bringing that back up. So Faith is... 16. And then Andrew and Jordan are 24. So the eight years when they left, she was only 10. And now, you know, they're playing whatever unicorn game or like last night I went to bed and they sat up for another hour, the four of them Mm. and just played a game. And I really, you know, there is a blessing in that. The fact that they get along is really good and they're getting to know each other, but they also have kind of a built-in play group there's someone to walk with or someone to complain about me to or do the dishes together. Like it's, you know, it doesn't always work that way. And I have lots of friends whose kids just don't connect mm-hmm. that way. And I don't take it for granted. They just, and they're not alike. Like the boys are much less athletically minded. 
they were more into like marching band and speech. And, you know, one of them's getting a PhD in rhetoric and racism. And that's his life. He just reads pages and pages. And then the youngest one, you know, she's actually a total feminist. But like her thing is, you know, she just broke up with her boyfriend and she's, you know, running all the time because she's a good runner. So different places in life. Oh my gosh. Yeah. But they're loving being together. And they said, I asked the girls, you know, would you give back your commencement? Cause Kendall is graduating and faith, would you give back your track season? If you could have, you know, the boys would just go back and you could have your life and neither of them, they're both like, no, we love having them here. So special. So that's really a gift. I love it. I want to know what are you seeing among other people, women that you work with, that you serve in your community in this time? Because I think that, I mean, mothers are having to step up in like huge ways right now. And what are you seeing in terms of how mothers are stepping up, how the women around you are stepping up and how that might be, you know, a little bit burdensome and heavy? Because I'm a coach and a speaker, I've connected with all these people over the last decade. And I try to be a really positive presence online, not fake, but kind of like an alternate thought process if you're having a hard day. Yeah. And so I invite people in my space to talk to me and complain and, you know, just reach out. And so I'm, I am hearing a lot, particularly from moms, I think, and women, young women, that's kind of my target or the place where I connect the most. And it's an interesting thing because it would be one thing, everyone has this dream of working from home. Anyone who goes to a place loves those days where you just get all the laundry done and you get your grocery shopping and you're, you know, you just get to enjoy a nice day or go to field day without feeling stressed out. You're not wearing like nice shoes and a, an ill-suited outfit for outside. So everyone has dreamt about it. And now suddenly you got it, but you didn't get the transition that you deserved. So there wasn't that conversation of how does this work and what is expected of me and how much should I have to produce? And you have this internet connection and maybe you don't have childcare or you're sharing your space with a partner or you're not sharing your space with anyone. Mm -hmm. And so on top of that, we're afraid we go to the grocery store and now the person, it's like a video game. I mean, you're like, you were supposed to go down the aisle the right way. And they're coming at you, breathing all over the place with no mask and touching everything. And you're kind of like, it's a very tenuous feeling everywhere you go. And there's new information that you're getting all the time. And so people are just trying to deal. That's really all it is. You know, what do I do when I'm on a conference call with someone and my kid is in the background? Mm -hmm. And they don't really know. They're just, you know, women in particular, we like to keep it buttoned up. You know, we like to keep our superhero outfit on. And this is just not the time for that. I mean, there's just the cost is too high for a woman mentally to try to keep everything in place. So for example, I give advice to people say, if you're on a conference call and like your teenager is too loud, just say, Hey, I need to mute you. My teenager is loud, mute and go talk to them. Because trying to act like a good, perfect mom when you want to yell at someone isn't going to work for you. Right. Just an example. I love that example. And I think that that's so true. And I think that so appreciate that you said the burden or the price is too high for us to try to keep everything buttoned up and perfect right now because it's too mentally exhausting and the cost will be our own joy, our own happiness, our own mental health. Like this isn't like just you know, grit your teeth and get through it for the next week or two. It's like, no, hold on, hang on for a while while we get through this. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the normal things that we do that make us feel good, which I like to think I'm an evolved woman, 
But I use comparison as a way to make myself feel better. Absolutely. And I am a naturally competitive person. So when I'm unloading the dishwasher, I don't know why I have to do it as fast as I can. There's no reason. I'm so like that. It's weird, isn't it? That like you put something in the mic. So the dishwasher thing is so funny because the reason it's competitive for me and I like had to kind of dial a clue into this a couple of years ago. For so long, I felt like the emptying the dishwasher felt so burdensome, like it took a really long time. And so finally, one day I decided to time myself to be like, am I making this more than it really is? And when I realized that it actually only takes me a couple minutes, I was like, oh, this is not that big of a deal. But in my head, it was. So now I'm like, oh, I know this is like a two minute task. So I'm gonna see if I can do it in one and a half minute. <laughs> so I'm like super systematized around it. But it is a competitive, I think it's competition around efficiency. It is or it's just, you know, it's personalities. Like there's some people, my sister is like the opposite of me. And I actually she's reincarnated as my youngest daughter. It's so interesting. So she is like, you know, let's wash the dishes and like, just make sure it's done really well. That is not my thing at all. I'll scrape an egg off after it's all over if I have to. And I'll I put something in the microwave and then I see a minute 30 and then I go, okay, this is my time to unload and reload the dishwasher. <laughs> I, totally. So that mindset, and there's a lot of, there are people that are not like that. And if you don't relate to that, just right now, just have a moment of gratitude <laughs> that you're not like that because it's, I wish. You're like always racing yourself. <laughs> yes. If there was a way, like I would not get a boob job. I would get rid of that part of my brain. If I could do it, I would be like, can you just extract unnecessary competitive behavior? Take it out of my brain completely. Right. Well, I was going to say it extends to learning where I feel like I have to learn it quickly. Mm. And it's almost like in conversation, I picture myself saying, yeah, I learned that really easily. It just kind of came to me. I don't want to say I labored to understand it. And so that creates stress. And in a normal situation, when you can do everything else without fearing for your life, it would be okay. But in this situation, there's no room for competition. There's no space for mental health and pushing yourself unnecessarily. And so I've really, that's a benefit for me that I have to pull back because I'm not getting anything out of doing everything all the time, super fast and well. I need to stop and absorb what this moment has for me, which may be sitting with my kid, reading a book, changing the way I handle my hours. Like instead of it being nine to five, I might have two hours in the morning and three hours later. And that's okay. As long as I get things done and I cannot compare myself to other people, what it does when you compare is that then you feel they're comparing back. That's what the problem is that. Yeah. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, 
you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Bree. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Bree, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a No Guilt Mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt-free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Get Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows. If it was just you comparing yourself positively, whenever you are in a positive light, oh, look, my kids behave better than those people. That's great. But then what you think in your mind then is when it's going bad, look, I'm not stacking up and I know they're comparing. And it just does a lot of damage to us right now. Yeah. I love that you talk about the mental burden of comparison and not in the even just in the sense of comparison to like, oh, she, that woman over there has everything that I always have dreamed of. But this sense of one of the things that came to mind was for me, when I look up directions to go somewhere on Google Maps, I always think, oh, well, I can definitely do that five minutes faster than like, and then I get filled with rage when I'm driving and I don't actually, and I'm five minutes late, I get so angry at Google. And I'm like, why do I? Yeah, it's getting in the way. Like it's all this unnecessary distress. And so I tried to start thinking like, okay, so if it says it's going to take me 18 minutes. How about I give myself 23 minutes? And then I just enjoy the whole drive and listen to a podcast rather than like trying to race there in 13 minutes instead of 18. It is funny the way that manifests in everybody's lives. Yeah. You might be a person who works out and for just the moments that you're working out, you want to be like the best one. Or you go out and you golf a few times and you just think, well, I want the results of somebody who golfs all the time. Yeah. Because right at that moment, you just want, I think it comes from a good place. I think it comes from wanting to be excellent and to be your best and to kind of like master life. You know, you just feel like at the end of the day, if you're exhausted, but everything's put away and you were there on time and your hair doesn't smell and like you just, whatever your criteria is, it's like, I think that that in there are moments where that can be good. Like I'm a great person to have on a committee. I'm a really good person to hire as a speaker or a coach because I'm just a busy bee. I work my butt off. I will do anything to make sure that you're not inconvenienced and that you get the best possible product. I don't think that that's a bad thing in a lot of situations, but I'm noticing that there's a disadvantage to this constant rating yourself. Yeah. How am I doing? How fast am I going? Am I ahead or behind? Whatever that is. And I think everyone has their own way of calibrating that. You know, I might go to someone else's house and their house is a disaster, but they also are really good at baking and they give me like this perfect cake with like everything homemade. So I walk in and I'm like, wow, my house is cleaner. Oh, whoops. I'm a terrible baker. We just go up and down, up and down. It's like, yes. So I think it's an interesting time. I think this is a moment for us to finally change the way women 
look at themselves. This is just a little window where it's kind of out in the open that we don't all love to cook and, or maybe we do. And, you know, everybody's kind of showing being vulnerable for a moment. And what I really pray and hope is that at the end of this, we don't, I don't want to go back to normal. I want to take this new method. Oh my gosh. 100%. No, like we have to evolve forward. We can't, because this pause has been as long as it has been, there can't, and I think this is going to ultimately be a gift. I think that if this had been a two-week event, like it was kind of you know originally predicted to be, that things would have just like snapped back at the end of two weeks. But because this is a much greater period in time, I think it's not possible to go back. And I think that there's many things that are extremely hard and many, many losses and sacrifices that need to be grieved because of that. And also there's a million lessons to be learned and really valuable gifts that we can carry with us moving forward. And we have to be paying attention and listening. And I, you mentioned at the beginning that you're in this creative and going into kind of creation and introspection mode. And I think that like, that's the value is being able to look inward and pay attention and even recognizing that like, oh, maybe I don't need to, you know, time myself when I empty the dishwasher. Or maybe I don't, maybe I can like chill out about these certain things and have more breaks in my day or more create more space in my day that is not so high pressure and all those kinds of things, I think ultimately will give us a ton of gifts. And I think that'll that'll show up in families, but I also think it will show up systemically as well in terms of what companies do and how that impacts the family unit and what schools do and how different professions shift and change and organizations shift and change as well. I think absolutely. And I had this thought, you know, because when you're talking about the privilege of not being sick, because that this is all around, you know, there are people who are very ill. Yeah. There are people who are passed away since this started. People who are afraid for their loved ones who are in a hospital. And also even just the loss of, you know, I look at my daughter and she's losing commencement. Like who doesn't get to walk in their high school commencement? It's weird. Or doesn't get senior skip day, doesn't get to say goodbye to her friends collectively. And so what I thought about is I kind of have the responsibility to get something out of this. That's the way to honor the losses. Because if someone passes away due to this thing, and we had to adjust our life to try to save people, the thing to do is not to complain and feel mad all the time that we're not getting what we want. And A lot of times we get angry because we're afraid of the loss of income or just the unknown. But the best thing to do is to think about, like, make it worth it. Make the losses worth it by kicking this paradigm that came from like the 20s, the 1920s of what women are supposed to be. And then layer after layer of this evolution of what moms and women are supposed to be. Like, let's get rid of it and have like a normal way of living because you are always going to be productive. Right. It doesn't matter. if you. It's just in your nature. And your purpose in life is not necessarily to he who crosses the most off their list wins. Like that's not necessarily the best way to live your life. So that's really where my energy is coming from is thinking like soberly, I think in honor of those who have lost their life Mm -hmm. for this thing, the least, the very least I can do is take some good behavior into the future. That is good for my, like for generations to come. And it sounds very like, you know, 40,000 feet, but actually I really am thinking, cause I don't want to be like, Oh, I can't, and I can't wait to get to grocery shopping without a mask. Meanwhile, there's people that are really ill. And I think, can I just get over myself Yeah, and enjoy whatever I can out of this? So, yeah, I appreciate that perspective. Definitely. I know you kicked off 2020 
with a new book having just come out. I did. So the 1440 principle, and this is actually how we ended up bringing you back on the show. You posted that you had written another book. I was so excited about it. I was like, anytime someone who's been on the show writes a book, I'm like, well, you have to come back and talk about it. And you immediately replied like, yes, I'm in. So I want you to talk about the book. I want you to talk about the principle. And then I also, you know, after we go through some of that, I do want to touch on I'm so intrigued by someone who has this massive career milestone and then a pandemic hits and things look really, really different. And I know a lot of people who are in this position of like having this major career milestone that happened at the beginning of this year or that's kind of happening right now or right before all this. And now there's this huge shift and all of a sudden it's like, but wait a minute. And to your point, how grateful are we that we have the privilege of not being sick and all these other things? And also things, there's grieving and hardships that are going on because of these big losses. So yeah, so talk about the book. Let's start with the book. You wrote the book and tell us a little bit about the book and the actual 1440 principle. Right. So let's just take a moment to talk about just the fluidity of life, because that was a big deal to me writing this book and just getting it out. So I've written other books, but nothing that was an idea. You know, it's different to write a collection of essays or, you know, I've written quotes, lots of different quotes, everything to help people live a better life. But it was scary to me and it's self-published. So but I love to write and I definitely could be a published author. I just love to get things out there. So I'm like, well, I'm not waiting two years for this. I'm putting this out there. And I'm really glad I did. Because you were timing yourself, right? (laughs) I was like, go, go, go. Well, and it took me 10 years to write it. So the fact that I took four or five months to get the first draft out, I thought, okay, that's not, it's 10 years and four months, basically. So the 1440 principle, which I'm sure people are wondering about, is the number of minutes in a day. I met this guy and it was, oh, 2009, probably. And he had this idea that he talked about being a millionaire. He was a a former millionaire and he had this really great attitude. And I said, you know, why are you not more bitter? that you don't have, you lost a fortune. And he was pretty young. I think he hadn't hit 40 yet. And he talked about being a millionaire in seconds. And I started looking at the numbers and going, okay, how many seconds you have in a lifetime and whatever. And then I thought, but seconds, it's too cumbersome. The number isn't easy to remember. And then I thought, how many minutes are there in a day? And it was this fantastic little package, 1440, 1440, easy to remember. And really, this story is kind of how it all kicked off. So I was talking about how to value your time. I had already turned it into a presentation. I had probably given that presentation 12 or 13 times, which is a good number. And right at the time, around the 12th or 13th time, I started having problems with this friend, a really good friend I had known, you know, let's see. So my daughter's 18 and she was in the hospital. This person came to visit me in the hospital when my daughter was born. So we had known each other. I knew her before I married my husband. We just celebrated 20 years. So, you know, just picture a friend, a girlfriend that you've known that long. And we were wearing on each other. She was kind of like the older sister and I was the younger sister in our relational, like in the way that we work together. So she was always kind of like, are you going to wear your hair like that forever? Or do you really think that orange is the best color? Like she always talked to me that way. And we were really close, like enough to be sisters. But after a while, I started outgrowing that. 
And I felt hurt. I was like, every time I talk to you, it's not positive. And, but I was, I'm a fake nice person. So I didn't want to look in the mirror and see an unhappy person. So I would, I played the part of being nice, never told her how I felt, spent a lot of time trying not to feel that way. So I had a moment where she said something to me about my husband. I thought about it. I called my friend. I complained about it. I walked in the door. I talked about it to my husband. I thought about it some more. I avoided her. Then she asked me to go out to dinner and I said yes. And then I talked about her some more. And then we had dinner together. And then I talked about her some more. You talked about her, not to her, just to clarify. Yeah, all the time. You know, just like she was rude and I would call and say, Sarah, you would not believe what she said to me that we talk about it for 20 minutes, right? Like, and then I call you again, Sarah, guess where I'm on the way to? I'm going to have dinner with her. I know. I'll call you when I'm done. Then I call you back, Sarah, the dinner, it was actually okay. We talk about her some more. So the 1440 principle is about adding up the number of minutes and then thinking about, would you pay in dollars to think or act that way? Mm-hmm. So I added up all the minutes. I added up every minute I spent thinking badly about her, not talking about my feelings, talking about her to other people. And in one week, it was about 800 minutes. This episode is brought to you by Cosmetology. Do you have a kiddo who suffers from eczema? You are going to want to check out the Cosmetology Lotion Bar. So to get started with Cosmetology and get 15% off your first order, go to cosmetology.com and use the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's cosmetology, K-O-S-M-A-T-O-L-O-G-Y.com, code SHAMELESS. In reading that part of the book, I was like, we all have someone like this in our life. And sometimes it's a girlfriend. Sometimes it's it can be in professional situations too. But we all have these people who suck our energy that we talk about and not to. And I loved the like adding up of the minutes. It was so enlightening. And I was like, oh, there's a few people I might need to add up some minutes for in my life. <laughs> yeah, that's the premise is that you think I would never pay you to make me feel bad. I would never do it. I would never hand you $800 and say, you know what, I'm going to talk about you Mm -hmm. and you're going to take me. So here, let's just give you the transaction right now. You would say that's a waste of money. And if I said, I often ask people, would you pay to work where you're working? Like if you had to pay a dollar per minute every week to work where you're working, is it worth it? And a lot of people say, no way. And then I say, well, you can't get your minutes back ever. Right. So maybe you should change what you're doing if it's possible. So that's really the premise. And then I build on that. I say, okay, after you think about paying in time, what about investing your minutes into something? What about leaving a legacy with your life to people? What if your time is worth so much that the people that are around you should be uplifting you and you should be needed by them? Like really thinking about it that way. It really changed my life. And we're not friends anymore, this person. I was wondering this when you wrote the book, when I was reading the book, I was wondering, I'm like thinking, I wonder if this friend is now, and I think this all the time when I read, you know, people's own stories, I always think like, is that friend going to read this? Is that going to be weird? Well, then they have to have a conversation. I'd be shocked if she ever opened it. (laughs) It's not her name. It doesn't sound like her name. There's no rhyming. Like I didn't go, yeah, yeah. Sarah. Lean. No, it wasn't like that at all. So right and there. And really, honestly, nobody's names were used, but everyone would be able to see themselves in it. Identify. And it wasn't for, there were only a couple hard stories where the other person doesn't look great. But to be honest, I think I looked way worse than she did. 
So I don't know if she read it. Yeah. I think it would be almost like an apology. Yeah. I mean, it's well, it all depends on like how self-aware one is when consuming. I think she paid it. I want to touch on the value of time versus money. This is such a great point that some of our relationships are really, really expensive <laughs> and or our careers might be really, really expensive. And I just think that's such an enlightening way to look at things. And to your point that you can't get time back, but you can go and be creative about new and different ways to make money. And this is, I think, so enlightening. And I'm curious, as you've now worked with people with this principle, how do things shift now? Are you able to like more quickly see, oh, wait, hold on, this situation is becoming too expensive for me from like a time perspective. And so I'm going to move on. And like, I'm imagining this probably kind of starts to permeate so many areas of your life because you're able to see things from this new perspective. Yeah, I think the way I kind of, the metaphor for it would be I've bought these things by working on myself, like peace or, you know, some awareness of what my challenges are as a person and what I'm really proud of. Like there's things that, you know, I said, I started my business in 2008. I lost my house in foreclosure. I was terrible with money. If you like this show, there's a decent chance you'll also enjoy the Shameless Mom Academy. Hi, I'm Sarah Dean, the founder and host of the Shameless Mom Academy. The Shameless Mom Academy is a podcast for moms that centers moms more than it centers your kids. I'm not going to teach you how to make baby food or how to make your three-year-old or 13-year-old stop having tantrums. Instead, I'm going to bring you back to yourself. For the last 20 years, I've been helping moms through growth and transformation. Inside the Shameless Mom Academy, I help you identify who you are and who you are becoming. Look, motherhood is hard. It brought me to my knees many times and sometimes still does. Returning to who I am and who I am becoming allows me to decide how to show up in all those sticky motherhood moments, but also in all my other relationships and in all the ways I show up in my various communities. So come check out the Shameless Mom Academy wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm willing to bet you'll leave feeling a little inspired and maybe even completely fired up. And you'll probably laugh a few times because I promise we never take ourselves too seriously over here. With 700 episodes to choose from, you're likely going to find something that sparks and speaks to you inside the Shameless Mom Academy. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. With sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends, at Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast. So now I'm better with money. I've worked really hard to educate myself. I have a long way to go, but I'm really proud of what I am. And so when I'm in situations where I feel like the situation is costing me things that I've worked for, mm -hmm. I'm very careful. I'm not angry or stressed. I'm just careful because those were investments. It's like you investing in the stock market. You know, you're looking for a way of life that will sustain you even after you're done working and taking new money in. And if a situation is costing you too much, you would say, okay, that's it. We can't do that. We can't take these vacations or we, you immediately think about ways to protect what you have built. And it's a very normal way to think. But when it comes to our internal state, we don't think about it that way. We think, oh, darn it, I'm stressed again. Instead of thinking, you know what? You do all these things to keep yourself in this place so that relationship, you may need to readjust it. 
And yes, you may need to let go of it. Or your way of thinking about, like I have four kids that can make me feel like a failure at any moment. So what do I do? I can't get rid of the kids. So I better adjust the way I think about how I'm, my relationship is with them or what I, you know, wasting, like, I'll give one more example. I have really great parents, but we don't always connect. So we talk a lot about the weather and we talk a lot about, (laughs) we just really don't talk about a lot of serious things, but there was a point where I stopped lamenting our, what we had because I wanted it to be more. And I started just appreciating how much they love me because even though we never talk about anything, they love the sound of my voice. Mm. And I thought, okay, I feel like that's a good use of my mental, the expenditure of how I think about it. Can I just accept the love that they have to offer, even though it's not packaged the way that I want it to be? And it just created a little bit of, you know, space for love in my life instead of it just constantly being, I'm paying minutes to, I wish they see, they still do the same things that they used to do. And I wish they were like my friend's mom, look at how they are. Like, instead of thinking about that, I started thinking that we literally have nothing in common, but yet they just, they love every time I call them they're like, oh, Liz called. That's not a terrible thing. <laughs> That's an example. But I love it. My, my mom is the opposite. And she is so excited for our conversations that sometimes I'm like, I hope she's not disappointed that I don't have anything big to share because I know this is like the highlight of her day or her week. <laughs> so which is it's very sweet. I mean, I think we're going to be like that. Oh, I know. I mean, it's funny because I watch my mom and I'm like, I will 100% be that way with my child. <laughs> Yep. I I want them to like being around me all the time. It's a lot of pressure. <laughs> yes, I love it. Okay, so I want to know how has the 1440 principle changed your life? Like how so now you've written the book and now where are things at right now, especially in this current climate of COVID and, you know, current political scenarios, etc. How are you continuing to implement this and leverage this principle to keep you sane? <laughs> Well, ish, sane ish. <laughs> as you were asking that question, I'm like, oh, this is, you know, this whole venture of being a speaker and an author and a coach is really more for me. And I think there are a lot of people that are in this space that would say, you know, it was healing for me first before anybody else to get on stages. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a continuous challenge. I don't think the 1440 principle is a thing that you ever get. I don't think it's like a natural human tendency to value your life in that way. That's why we go back to normal. You know, you have a baby and you're like, oh, I love this baby and I'll never forget this. And then you forget it. Or, you know, you get really, you feel ashamed of something and you think I'll never do that again. And then you do. So I have, you know, I wrote about a lot of different things like, I wrote about, there's a chapter on self-destruction and there's a chapter on gossip. And then there's other things that are about like intention and education, like things you can avoid and then things that you can invest in. And what I find is that I'm always not, the 1440 principle is an accountability tool more than a transformational tool because we're not supposed to walk around carefully, you know, just saying pithy things. And we're supposed to be like messy and laughing and in the moment, not observing ourselves. So what I would say is that this whole thing, this pandemic or whatever, has been stressful. I'm a self-employed person. And part of what I do is gather in front of hundreds, thousands of people. This situation prohibits that. 
So I've had lots of speaking engagements cancel and I've had, I don't think that people are, you know, signing up for a bunch of one-on-one coaching all the time right now. I think that there's kind of like this, everybody's holding their breath. But what it does for me is it's telling me that every moment has value, whether you're stressed out with it or not. And a first world problem that we have is that we rush through the hard moments to try to get to the good ones. Like we're always waiting for the thing and then wishing that time would slow down while we're in the vacation or we're with our friends or whatever. And that's not the way life was meant to live. It was supposed to be that every minute has a lesson. Every minute has some joy. It's just the way it is. And if you can get anything out of it, then you're ahead of where you could be. And that's kind of, I'm really just in the middle of it with everyone else going, what, okay, stop stressing. You can't control that. Just what do you need to be doing right now? And sometimes that involves me leaving my office and taking my kid to for a walk and just talking when normally I would be head down. I've got another book to write. I've got things I need to do. Yeah. But that's really, I don't know if that makes sense or not, but it's humbling to me. That totally makes sense. The 1440 just humbles me. I look at it and I go, did I really write this? Because I'm not doing very well today. And then it just reminds me, okay, accountability, just take a step back and get the most that you can out of it. Yeah. Well, I totally appreciate you pointing out that you are having to be a student of your own work. And I think that anyone in this space, anyone in the space of, you know, motivating others, inspiring others, supporting others in their mental health and in their growth and and personal or professional development, sometimes it looks like from the outside, like we have things all figured out and we don't like we've learned all the lessons. So we're good. (laughs) And that's so not true. Like maybe we've learned. No, like you've learned some of the lessons and you still might not be able to apply them all the time. And there's still a lot of things that you haven't learned. And as situations change and climates change and all these different things happen. Yeah, it's like we have to continually put in the time and the energy and figure things out and, you know, recalibrate where we're at, where we're going, how we want to get there and how we want to do it in the best way. And it's hard. It's really, really hard to show up. And there's times I know that I'm like, oh, God, I have to use my own tools today. Like, I'm so annoyed when that happens. And you think like, who will hire me to do this when I'm struggling right now? Because, you know, I'm shaking my fist at the sky and feeling like the pandemic, you know, you talk about, you know, maybe like a slow driver or a red light Mm -hmm. being like in your way. And sometimes we all we feel like the pandemic is just in our way. Like, you know, I'm like, how could this worldwide pandemic stop me from, you know, all these things that I love. And, you know, it's terrible that I feel that selfish, but that's how I feel sometimes. And I have to take a step back and go, yes, Liz, this did slow you down, didn't it? Yes. So, and I think personally, Sarah, one of the reasons why I love connect, watching what you're doing and I love to listen to you is because you are speaking, you are in the trenches with the person rather than saying, hey, I have a hand, I'm reaching down to pull you out of something. Mm. You're like, we're here together, aren't we? And I think people need that. People need just regular people that don't have the answers living a powerful life. So and that's partly what the 1440 is about. It's about you don't need to be a guru. You just need to just be amazing as you are. And that's, I think, what I appreciated about the book is that your stories were not you up on a stage saying like, here's what you all need to do. The stories were like, oh, she like really struggled with this thing. I get that. I struggle with that. And here's how she was able to manage through it and use, you know, skills and accountability and all, all these powerful tools. 
And that is means so much more, I think, and sticks for so much longer with someone um, when they read that and they're like, oh, I get it. And she's been there and we're in it together holding hands versus like your way up here. Yeah. You know, tossing me, <laughs> throwing me a bone. <laughs> yeah. If somebody and some people want that and that is not that's not who I am. So when someone's like, well, what are your credentials? And I'm like, oh, that I screwed up 9,000 times and got up. <laughs> I love it. That's my actual credentials. If you want to know the other things, fine. But that's more about language. But yeah, you know, we've all been there in these, whether you're listening to this one right in the middle of a pandemic, or you're listening to this where it's a story that has made its way into movies and television, it's still a thing that failure is just part of being human and learning from whatever, I really feel like we fail more than we don't. So there must be a reason for that. Otherwise, you just find a new way to fail. Like, you know, I figured that out. Now I don't do that. Well, guess what? I just found a new frontier of things that I have to figure out. And so I think I really, you've changed a lot since the first time that I talked to you. And I think the biggest shift is that you really accept yourself now in a way that you didn't Mm. six years ago, seven years ago. Thank you. You're welcome. And I feel the same. I feel like if the biggest shift for me in the last 10 years is just that I'm like, oh, that's you, Liz. And you're not a bad person or an idiot. You just got a new thing to learn. Let's get after it. And I think that's good stuff. So yeah, So this is a milestone year for you. You're going to be turning 50. And so exciting for was it for your 45th that you went and did Kilimanjaro? Yeah, it was. Yes. Well, it was two. Th- I was actually 44. Okay. And it was because my sons graduated because I know that was a big milestone as well. And I loved watching that. So what are you doing to celebrate 50? What does a mom of four slash seven do to celebrate turning 50? So I'm excited about being 50. And I see in particularly American culture, you know, everybody is so stressed out about wrinkles and hair and just what you look like compared to what you were at your height of whatever you loved yourself at. And I really, I like myself way more now than I did at any other state. And I'm in very good shape and it's not necessary. It's very functional. Like I could do anything I put my mind to. It's not that my abs are perfect or my butt has never looked so good. But there's like this, there's a weird celebration that isn't, I haven't, it's not a mountaintop where I'm friends with the people I like and I'm more myself than not. And when I look in the mirror, I don't wish I didn't see things. And that is a good place to be at 50. Like I really, it's so great. And so there's some things that I want to do. I went to India, my my family, they're immigrants and they came over here in the late sixties. And so I went to India with them a couple of years ago and really saw where they came from. And they're wealthy, successful people who have been married and are in love for over 50 years. So I was like, let's see where, and they bathed in like a river. Like they didn't even have running water and cracked in an outhouse and cooked over an open fire. And I just wanted to see where I came from. So that gave me some, that was sort of like a pre-present. And what I really want to continue to do, and I hope I get a chance to do in the next year, because now travel is kind of funky, but I really feel like I just want to know you. Like I want to see everyone. I want to go to places in the world and see how other people live that are my age that are female. And I just want to learn from other people. And I think I'm going to spend the rest of my life. That's going to be my hobby is just see, I just want to everywhere I go, I don't care about like shopping. 
for a trinket that says my mom brought this stupid t-shirt back from Indonesia or whatever. I just want like, I want to see, like observe people and see them love their kids and cook and work and just become older. Because I think that's the key for women is learning from each other. So I kind of am, so 50 is me kicking that off. Like I may just go to Montana. I may not be able to go overseas, but I'm just going to go somewhere. Hey, Montana's pretty awesome. <laughs> I love Montana. And I have a friend that's there and she just does yoga all the time and lives, it just walks her dog. And I may just go hang out with her, but you know, and my husband's like, well, what about the men? And I go, I feel like the first half of my life was learning from men. And now the second half, <laughs> Because it's like every boss, every teacher, every, you know, instructor for driving, like it was all guys. And I learned how to be a good date Mm -hmm. and a good wife and whatever. And now I just want to be like a woman. And I feel like this is my moment to do that. And I hope I'm able to generate enough income that it's not cost prohibitive. (laughs) I'm able to just go and do it. I love it. Does that sound crazy, Sarah? You can just tell me. No, I love it. I want to go with you. <laughs> okay, well, there's an idea. I want to go on the Liz, the Liz World Tour. Oh, and see, so my question to you is, where would you go first if you wanted to learn about a woman different than you, who's probably exactly the same? Oh, this is such a good question. So I'm actually sponsoring through this nonprofit called Under the Same Tree. I'm sponsoring a woman in Kenya who's an entrepreneur over there. And I think it would be fascinating to go meet her and like live a day in the life with her. So that would probably be near or at the top of my list. I would love that. So, you know, so maybe I would go with you. Yeah. Because that sounds amazing to me. I know. And one of my client of mine introduced me to this nonprofit and she went to visit, she's sponsoring a woman as well. And she went and visited her sponsor, sponsee, whatever the title is. Yeah. She went and visited her in January and she just said it was like such an amazing, powerful, life-changing experience. It's on my radar. We'll see. See, you're already speaking it into existence. So I'll be waiting for it to happen. (laughs) Yeah. There's so much about it that sounds amazing. And then also doing that with leaving my child at home while I go do that. For some reason, that feels like very scary to me. And I'm not someone who's scared to travel, but for some reason, like going to African villages feels especially vulnerable. And I think it's because of him being younger. And also we're in this climate right now of knowing about like how to be safe with our health. And so there's just so many layers to that. So we'll just... You know, when I went to kill when I, I went to Africa, I went to Tanzania and I climbed the mountain, the biggest issue was not the money or which I had to figure that out that I wasn't rich enough to do that on my own. But all of those things were not the most difficult. It was leaving my kids and my husband. Like that was the hardest part. And once I had made that decision, everything else just fell into place. But when I would talk about it, people would say, well, what are the kids going to do? I've never been away from my children for seven days, you know, that, and I hadn't been away from my kid for longer than like three days. I mean, we're talking, you know, 18 years of children. Yeah. I just never had. Someone was with me. Yeah. And so to go away for 10 days for no reason, except for my own personal development, I was scorned among the suburban mothers, like for real. Yeah. And I was thinking like, my husband is there. Like, I'm not leaving someone with jar right. of butter and like a dull knife and hoping that they'll make it through the night. Like it's, you know, they'll be okay, restaurants and stuff. And then it was really good for me to do that because I realized like they're better off with me leaving once in a while and doing these things that my girls think it's normal to go live this life. And Yes. And that's what I love. I mean, that's, I think that's what really hits home for me is that like, 
then he would see like, oh, but my mom goes and helps people or my mom goes and makes friends in Africa or whatever. Like, I think that's super important. And also Africa not being a scary place because I, I can't say enough about how media representation of other countries keeps Americans from traveling. Yes. So that's just a whole other deal. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I actually, at 100%, as I was saying that, I was like, I know this is going to sound so privileged and I- No, it isn't. It doesn't sound- well, no, but it does. And you're absolutely right. And yes. And so, yeah, there's fear around safety and health and all these different layers. And then anyone I know who's been to Africa is like, it's so beautiful and so amazing and such a... It's the source. It's like where everything started. It's very, very interesting. But I'm with you. I'm, I enjoy a lot of privilege. Mm-hmm. And there's ways of thinking. But then we're all we can do with privilege is just challenge it. And then we get stronger. So... I think you're going to go, it may not happen overnight, but it will happen. You're like inexplicably bonded to this person who's in Africa. They will write movies about this. (laughs) Oh my goodness. I love it. Okay. I want to know one way you're currently showing up as a shameless mom before we wrap up. Okay. Um, oh, I could give you, I'll give you the most basic thing. So because, because in this moment, everybody is living with me. I think that the biggest thing for me is I'm just looking at myself like I'm another person living in this house instead of as a person who is running the show. Like I'm not running a cruise ship. And it seems so simple. That's a big shift though, after raising four kids. It is. And it's just, it's like a natural, like I'm the vital cog. So when it's time for dinner, you know, they look at me and it'd be easy for me to take that role and turn it into like my actual persona. And I try to say, well, I'm hungry too. And what do you want to eat? And let's do it together. Or I don't feel like it and not always keep everything in a place where if someone stopped by, which is never happening right now. So that's ridiculous, you know, like trying to keep it that way. And I think that it's really good for them to see me as a regular person And not the mom figure. Like, I'm not a cardboard cutout lady. I'm a person. And I'm just, I'm ahead of you in my lifespan. So I'm 50. I just had this conversation with my 18-year-old because she's the most like me. And I said, I'm Liz. I was born in 1970. And I'm a woman. And I'm here. And you're Kendall. And you're 18. And you were born in 2002. But we're really just two people. And I'm the mom person and you're the kid person. But like, what does that mean, really? That's like, we have to agree to take those roles in order for them to work. But really, we're just two people that everything is the same. I'm just 50 and you're 18. And we love each other very much. And it was like kind of mind blowing. <laughs> like she was like, oh, my, my head is going to explode. But she is bright enough and receptive enough that she was like, oh, okay. So all of a sudden, over time, she started asking me, like, are you thirsty or you look sad today. Like, are you sad? And I thought, oh, this conversation has some worth that I'm just the mom person and she's the kid person, but we're both just people. So that is my me showing up as a shameless mom. So awesome. Tell people where they can find you and connect with you, get the book, all the things. I want people to get this book. We were joking before this. You said it's a really great toilet side book because all the chapters are like two to three pages long, which is perfect for moms in quarantine. Okay, before I say where you can find it, I am the kind of person went back in the day, because so now I've stated myself and you have too. So in the 70s, you know, you'd have like magazines and books like Reader's Digest 
or highlights like the little magazine for the kids in the bathroom. Yeah. And if there was nothing there or if you had read it, I would read like the Glade spray thing or the bottom of the puff spot because I was like, I could not sit there for a long time and just be with my thoughts. That was like a sign I was going to have issues later. Yeah. And so right. I think that I wrote that book in this vein. When somebody tells me, usually a friend will say, you know, I haven't gotten to it yet. And they feel guilty. I'm like, throw it in the bathroom and read a chapter while you're on the pooper like that. You will get through it. In a month. It's so perfect for that. Yes. So it's deep. It's not meant to be something that you whiz through. You really shouldn't do more than a chapter at a time. And the chapters are usually like two to four pages at the most, because I hope you get one chapter and use it in your life. Just one would make a difference. So where you can get it is you can go to lizneed.com. And if you want an autographed copy, you can go to lizneed.com and it says 1440 book. And to be honest, I get more money out of it. It's the same price. Oh, I wish I would have known that because I got mine on Amazon. That's okay. It still comes to me. But you know, that's part of the self-publishing thing is that right. you can go to listening.com and I will, honestly, I love writing on things and like, I ask a few questions and write it. But if you want it super quick, you just go to just type 1440 principle on Amazon and it will come up and it will come to you. It doesn't come to you overnight anymore because of the current situation, but eventually Amazon will be restored to its glory and it will come super fast. So that's the place. And then the other thing that I wanted to offer people in this time is if you're struggling with working from home or you're feeling like I'm losing my mind, I created kind of a small course that you can get like kind of coached through how to be a good coworker to yourself or how to handle virtual relationships, how to handle the mental health aspects of it. And that's also at lizney.com. And then it's work from home primer. Okay. And we'll have all that linked up in the show notes so people can just click on through. Yeah. Perfect. Oh, Liz, thank you so much for coming back. This was so fun. I loved catching up. I love all the brilliance that you shared with everyone. I know that there's going to be lots of mamas impacted and I do want everyone to go get the book. So thank you for sharing yourself so openly and completely here. This has been just really awesome. Oh, thank you so much for what you're doing and supporting moms. And I really, really feel good about being on the second time. Like, I hope I'm one of those people like Oprah always has these certain people. Maybe when you make it big, I'll be like one of your special friends. Yes, Sarah and special friends. <laughs> I would love that. Please. I'm like first in line. I asked for it. So fun. I love it. Go be really good. And I will be your special friend. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Thank you so much, Liz. Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five-star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be shameless mom of the week. 
Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory. Two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And this is our new podcast, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. What happens when your creative spark just seems to disappear? Gone. Poof. Bye. See ya. What happens when life gets in the way of your creativity instead of nourishing it? That's what happened to Molly and me. We felt like the thing that drove us creatively stopped working and impending doom had in fact impended. Totally. So we decided to do something about it. And that was steal ideas about getting unstuck from the most creative people we can find. We talked to guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. And we're not just talking Bob Ross type paint on paper artists here, though we talk to them too. We're talking to actors, creative directors, dancers, and people who are working hard to be their best creative selves in a world that can sometimes feel real uncreative. We all have something to teach each other, so let's steal their ideas together. Join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Pandemics, school calendars, world events, lack of sleep, oh, get out of their life gunk. And let's get back to your best creative self. Subscribe to Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. You're not going to want to miss an episode. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking it.